Good morning, and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We're dedicated to right relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is by greeting the people who are here with us. I know you already have been doing that in the comments, and you're welcome to continue doing that, but we're going to try something a little bit different this Sunday, and that is to have a question that you can answer any time during this greeting time or during the candlelighting time. And that question this morning is, how do you meditate? Join me in saying our chalice lighting. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship today is from Mary Oliver. Mary Oliver was a much-beloved white American poet whose work was most often inspired by nature. She was awarded the National Book Award and a Pulitzer Prize. She lived with her partner, photographer Molly Cook, in Provincetown, Massachusetts, for over 40 years until Molly's death in 2005. Oliver then relocated to Hope Sound, Florida, where she spent her final years from 2015 until 2019. Her poem is called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. This congregation wrote a mission statement for itself, and we revisit it every seven years. We write it on the wall of our sanctuary, and we say it together every Sunday just to remind ourselves what we're doing here. Let us say it together. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Every week, we have a moment for a beloved community. 
And this week, I want you to hear a poet who has taken a few lines from the British poet Warshan Shire about giving your daughters difficult names. And this American poet takes off on that. We're not going to listen to her whole poem, but I wanted you to hear how she takes off from Shire's poem and puts her own self into it. Give your daughters difficult names. Names that command the full use of the tongue. My name makes you want to tell me the truth. My name does not allow me to trust anyone who cannot pronounce it right. Washan Shir. Many of my contemporaries, role models, but especially ancestors, have a name that brings the tongue to worship. Names that feel like ritual in your mouth. I don't want a name said without pause, muttered without intention. I am through with names that leave me unmoved. Names that leave the speaker's mouth unscathed. I want a name like fire, like rebellion, like my hand gripping masses with. I want a name from before the ships. A name Donald Trump might choke on. I want a name that catches you in the throat if you say it wrong. And if you're afraid to say it wrong, then I guess you should be. I want a name only the brave can say. A name that only fits right in the mouth of those who love me right because only the brave can love me right. I'll say too, Shango is the name you take when you are tired of burying your jewels under thick layers of soot and self-doubt. I'll say too, the light Shango, the pickaxe so that people must mine your soul just to get your attention. If you have to ask why I changed my name, it is already too far beyond your comprehension. Call me callous, but with a name like Shango, I cannot afford to tread lightly. You go hard or you go home and I am centuries and ships away from any semblance of a homeland. I am a thief's poor bookkeeping skills away from any source of ancestry. I am blindly collecting the shattered pieces of a country, of a continent much longer than my comprehension. I hate explaining my name to people. Their eyes peering over my journal looking for a history they can rewrite. Ask me what my name means. What the f*** does your name mean, Linda? Not every word needs an English equivalent in order to have significance. I am, I am done folding myself up to fit your stereotype, your black friend, your headline, your African queen meme, your hurt feelings, your desire to learn the rhetoric of solidarity without the practice. I do not have time to carry your allyship. I am trying to build a continent, a country, a home. My name is the only thing I have that is unassimilated, and I'm not even sure I can call it mine. Good morning. Today we're talking about poems. Now, some of you may be thinking, poems? I don't know anything about poems. I don't know if I've even ever read a poem or heard a poem, but I bet you have. You know why? Because picture books are often poems. And sometimes people take poems and they draw pictures of them and they turn them into picture books. So I bet you have read some. I bet you've read some of them so many times that maybe when said someone says, good night, you think, good night, room, good night, moon, good night, cow jumping over the moon, without even wanting to think about that. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So today's poem was written as a poem for grown-ups, so it may have some words you don't understand, and that's okay. Just let the sounds wash over you. If you want to read it again, you can find it in the blog on our website, so you can read the poem as many times as you like. 
Today is the first day, the first Sunday of Advent. And during Advent, a lot of people think about ideas like hope and joy and peace and love. And this poem talks about all those things. It talks about ideas like beloved community. So I hope you really enjoy it. Now, at the beginning, it talks about the scary winter weather and the winter storms that make people think, what have I done to deserve this? Now, we don't really have that kind of winter weather, do we? It's pretty sunny here, isn't it? But we may have other things happening around us that make us scared. And that's the beauty of poems, is they don't always have to mean exactly what the words say. We can think about them in whatever way makes us think about our own life. I hope you enjoy it. Amazing Peace, a Christmas poem by Maya Angelou, illustrated by Steve Johnson and Lou Fancher. Thunder rumbles in the mountain passes, and lightning rattles the eaves of our houses. Floodwaters await in our avenues. Snow falls upon snow, falls upon snow to avalanche over unprotected villages. The sky slips low and gray and threatening. Into this climate of fear and apprehension, Christmas enters, streaming lights of joy ringing bells of hope and singing carols of forgiveness high up in the bright air. The world is encouraged to come away from rancor, come the way of friendship. It is the glad season. Thunder ebbs to silence and lightning sleeps quietly in the corner. Floodwaters recede into memory. Snow becomes a yielding cushion to aid us as we make our way to higher ground. Hope is born again in the faces of children. It rides on the shoulders of our aged as they walk into their sunsets. Hope spreads around the earth, brightening all things, even hate, which crouches breeding in dark corridors. In our joy, we think we hear a whisper. At first, it is too soft, then only half heard. We listen carefully as it gathers strength. We hear a sweetness. The word is peace. It is loud now, louder than the explosion of bombs. We tremble at the sound. We are thrilled by its presence. It is what we have hungered for, not just the absence of war, but true peace, a harmony of spirit, a comfort of courtesies, security for our beloveds and their beloveds. We clap hands and welcome the peace of Christmas. We beckon this good season to wait a while with us. We, Baptist and Buddhist, Methodist and Muslim, say, come. Peace. Come and fill us in our world with your majesty. We, the Jew and the Jainist, the Catholic and the Confucian, implore you to stay a while with us so we may learn by your shimmering light how to look beyond complexion and see community. It is Christmas time, a halting of hate time. On this platform of peace, we can create a language to translate ourselves to ourselves and to each other. At this holy instant, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ into the great religions of the world. We jubilate the precious advent of trust. We shout with glorious tongues the coming of hope. All the earth's tribes loosen their voices to celebrate the promise of peace. We, angels and mortals, believers and non-believers, look heavenward and speak the word aloud. Peace. We look at our world and speak the word aloud. Peace. Peace.
we look at each other, then into ourselves, and we say without shyness or apology or hesitation, peace, my brother, peace, my sister, peace, my soul. This is a poem that I wrote while sitting in my backyard as it was raining. So here I am while it's raining in my backyard to perform it for you. It's called, Can You Do Construction in the Rain? Can you do construction in the rain? Will screws sewn into softened woods hold up when earth turns to dry? When pliable hardens and stakes take shapes in unexpected ways? Will you become brittle when we leave this place? How does a name forged in open-hearted uncertainty sound in the light of day at the grocery store in your mother's voice? How will it temper in the open air when everyone and no one at all is listening? Will it crack or kindle? When moments wedge decades into fractured foundations, steel winds under weight unexpected, wind whip stained glass windows turned wind chimes. Will you become brittle when we leave this place or simply changed? This is the time in our service when we quiet our minds and enter into an attitude of prayer and meditation together. You may be in a position in your home where you can find some quiet, or you may not be. If quiet is not going to be possible for you, or if you are maybe driving like some of our folks are when they listen to this service, just breathe, just breathe. Let us enter into what Ralph Waldo Emerson called the wise silence together. As we continue in an attitude of prayer and meditation together, you're welcome to either light candles of joy or sorrow, hope, memory, or determination. are a regular here or if you've been here with us for a while, you know that I have to confess that I am a pretty good visualizer, an average meditator, and that mindfulness practice makes me surly. I'm apologetic about it, but nothing I do seems to get better. 
my nature is to approach everything with my logical rational mind and I know that finding uh, meditation practices that can work for me will take me up out of my logical rational groove and help me explore new paths it'll help me escape my normal habits of thinking which are pretty good but sometimes can lead to pretty predictable places and if I want to learn new things if I want to continue being transformed I need to change up my habits of thinking feeling and being in the world as a spirit So there's definitely nothing non-rational about mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness meditation is very rational. Uh, There are ways to do it. There are steps to do it. It's a practice. You sit down. You do what they say to do. And it's wonderful for your body. They are doing studies at Johns Hopkins that show that mindfulness meditation actually helps create more brain cortex Long ago, they thought that couldn't happen. Long ago, I mean 20 years ago, they thought they couldn't happen. But now they know mindfulness meditation actually creates more cortex. And so they're working at Johns Hopkins with Parkinson's patients and having a bit of success with mindfulness meditation. But since I am so stinky at mindfulness meditation, I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about... Uh, What does it mean when meditation works? And what I think that is, is that uh, meditation, mindfulness too, and other kinds, actually organize your brain. They can actually create brain infrastructure. They organize and strengthen your spirit, whatever you mean by that, so that you can deal with stressful situations in a more rooted way and not get knocked off your pins by everything that happens. Now, this pandemic has knocked most of us off our pins. I mean, oh, the parents of small children are really at the edge of their raggedy rope and there's not an end in sight for another six months and those who are uh, isolating by themselves are having loneliness problems and trying to figure out ways to make connections with other people and there are all kinds of folks across the nation who are having exaggerated uh, mental health problems because of this isolation and some people are just fed up with the pandemic and they just want to say I want to pretend it's not happening and they're putting themselves and their loved ones in danger because they're just so worn out with it. I sure do understand. And what I'm going to say is that if you have a spiritual practice that can strengthen you and can put your roots down a little more deeply, then it'll take a lot more to upset you. Um, Not emotionally, because everybody gets emotionally upset over things. It's just that when you're upset... Uh, you shouldn't lose yourself. You should be able to just say, I'm feeling really upset. This is an upsetting situation. This is an upsetting pandemic. This is an upsetting discussion. I mean, there's no kind of meditation or therapy in the world that's going to get you through a terrible situation while you're still feeling like happy and all pixie dust because uh, that's a little nuts, just to use the technical term, which I shouldn't say that, but there you go. So we're at this point in the pandemic now where people are really drawing on all 
of their reserves. Everything seems harder. A spiritual practice is just there so that you can make it through and be upset or be stressed without completely losing your inner organization. In most religions of the world, there are traditions of using the scriptures of that religion as a way to focus your practice, as a way of prayer, as a way of meditating, if that's what your religion teaches you. Now, I remember when I was at Princeton Seminary, we learned about praying the Psalms. And so we would take the Psalms in one class and we would memorize parts of them, just take the words into our minds and we would shout certain parts and then whisper certain parts and see how different that felt. For example, there's a line in Psalm 22 that Rabbi Jesus quotes when he's in the middle of dying and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so in the class we would shout it. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which sounds very different from when you whisper it. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it could be read both ways. And there are times in life when everybody feels like that. Now, I want to know how we can do that as Unitarian Universalists in a way that helps our inner life, that shakes our thinking out of its ordinary habitual pathways. We, we can try to repeat certain lines from a psalm or a song. Um, many of us come from no religious tradition and many of us come from religious traditions that are just worn out for us and others come from traditions that they feel we feel very friendly about but our unitarian universalist tradition has uh, recently gotten uh, a way of doing this with the words from our culture rather than the words from a scripture since our culture the words of poets and artists and musicians can be one of the sources that we draw from so, um, a man, uh, Reverend Harry Schofield, I think I'm saying that right, I'm not sure, and um, Laurel Hallman, who was the minister in Dallas for a long time, he was the minister in um, San Francisco, so he was her mentor, and they did a book together, a, a practice together, that they called Living by Heart, in which they articulated a way of memorizing some lines of poetry for yourself or with others. And then instead of having a group discussion about what the poetry meant, or instead of trying to reword the poetry and say how you would have said it better, um, what they do is you just say the words of the poem. You take the words into your body and into your spirit and allow them to do their work in your heart. They bypass your intellectual function, which you use all day, every day, and instead beef up your heart function so that you can allow art and the poem and the poet's way of thinking, the poet's way of seeing the world into your spirit 
and just see what the words will do. You remember in their poem that Sage read, there were some lines that might have jumped out at you. Well, I asked them to think what line jumped out at them and repeat it in this meditative way. Here they are. Will it crack or kindle? 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 The poem that Chris read this morning from Mary Oliver has so many images in it. It is just rich in images that can hook you and bring you to another place, just a, a place where you can be one with all things and think about the world as you walk through it and the wild geese that fly over your head. That poem has so many images and you are welcome to use that poem wild geese as a poem to anchor your meditation this is native american heritage month and i'm using that as an excuse and a reason to work today with a poem by joy harjo who is the first native poet laureate of the united states and her poem called the eagle poem is beautiful and speaks to my spirit. Here's how it goes. To pray, you open your whole self to sky, to earth, to sun, to moon, to the one whole voice that is you, and know that there is more that you can't see, can't hear, can't know, except in moments steadily growing. And in languages that aren't always sound, but other circles of motion, like Eagle that Sunday morning over Salt River, circled in blue sky and wind, swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. We see you, see ourselves, and know that we must take the utmost care and kindness in all things. Breathe in, knowing we are made of all this. And breathe, knowing we are truly blessed because we were born and die soon within a true circle of motion, like eagle rounding out the morning inside us. We pray that it will be done in beauty. In beauty. If you wanted, you could take any part of that poem and bring it into your body and use it as a way of thinking about what's happening in your world. Use it as a way of feeling your way through what's happening in your world. And I think for me, what I say over and over again is swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. 
swept our hearts clean with sacred wings. It feels so powerful to me. And I think of an eagle sweeping my heart clean with sacred wings. Or what might appeal to you, what might really speak to you, is the final couple of words of her poem where she says, We pray that it will be done in beauty, in beauty. And as you move through your life, when you think, I'm going to have a conversation with my cousin who is on the other side of the political spectrum from me. I pray that it will be done in beauty, in beauty. When I think I'm going to have a difficult conversation with my partner or my spouse, I pray that it will be done in beauty, in beauty. Just to have that echoing through the chambers of your heart. To have that circling through the inner chambers of your ear. As you move into a difficult situation, I think would change everything. I invite you to join me now as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me if you care to. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.